Hello, and welcome to our podcast. We are New Horizons Christian Fellowship from Starkville, Mississippi. We are about kingdom family, reaching up to the Father, reaching in to each other, and reaching out to the world. We hope you will be strengthened and encouraged by the message. Back when I was a kid, we had weekly memory verses and Sundays and a thing called Sunday school. <clears throat> Some of you probably remember Sunday school. Some of you probably remember memory verses. Some of you probably remember little certificates and things that you got for memorizing verses, enough of them anyway. But one of the, one of the earliest ones that, that I can remember was from Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs 1, verse 7. Pete, could you pop that up there for me? <clears throat> the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. Now, King James says it's the beginning of wisdom, but the word there really means knowledge. Um, and, uh, you know, the difference between knowledge and wisdom is knowledge is you know something and wisdom is you know how to use it. Okay, that's, that's basically how to understand the difference between knowledge and wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And it was really interesting because I, I have with me today my, my uh, parallel text. It's Spanish on one side, and it's, and it's English on the other side. And, and the, uh, the word for knowledge there comes from a Spanish word, conocer, which is often used when you talk about knowing a person. I like that. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowing who He really is. Now, flip through a whole bunch of pages towards the end of the Bible, we end up in 1 John, and there's another very famous passage there. It says, there is no fear in love. Rather, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears has not reached perfection in love. Bit of a paradox, don't you think? It's exactly the same word. The Greek word here is the same one that when they translated the Old Testament into Greek, they used for the word in Proverbs 1.7. So we can't say, well, it's a different kind of fear. It's a different word. It means fear. Fear. You know who the first person was who was ever afraid? Take a guess. Adam. Good guess. Pretty hard to get anybody before that. <clears throat> yeah. After he and Eve partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God came by for his evening stroll. Think about that. Creator God. Setting up an evening stroll with you and your spouse. Let's, let's take a walk. Let's talk. Let's get to know each other. Let's, let's just enjoy being together. That drives God. 
It drives him to be with the people that he has done everything possible to make that being with doable. <laughs> I've told you before, I'm going to keep saying it until you have it memorized. The message of the Bible is there is a God who loves his people and wants to be with them so much that he would do anything to establish, maintain, and bring to perfection that relationship. That's the whole Bible. Although I do recommend you read the 66 books and fill out the details. Fear. What is fear? I, I have a question that I want you all to, to reflect on. And a couple of you guys come give us a hand. We've got some things that I want to pass out across the... Just jump up. Two or three, four guys. <clears throat> Here, hand me one of those. Hand me one. It's going to be the shortest sermon ever. This is for your notes today. Not really. <clears throat> Here's what I want you to do. Don't, let any, don't look on your neighbor. You know, it's like copying in the exams. Don't do that. This is for you, just you alone. This isn't for anyone else to see unless you want to share it for some reason. We're going to sit for a moment, and I'm going to challenge you to write on this card whatever it is that right now you fear the most. My granddaughter asked me that question a couple weeks ago. She said, what, what are you afraid of the most, Grandpa? I went, um, um, well, let me think about that a second. And you know what's happened? I've, I've thought about it every day since, trying to figure out the answer to that question. What do you fear the most? This doesn't have to be a, a fancy spiritual answer. It doesn't have to be theological or philosophical. It can be very practical. There's something that niggles at you. There's something that claws at you. There's something that stops you. There's something that drives you that you're afraid of. I'm going to give just a few seconds here. I'm not going to talk. Fear is one of the most human responses that we have. Is fear bad? Depends. Behaviorists tell us that there are three inborn fears that babies have from birth. Fear of loud noises, fear of falling, and fear of the dark. That babies naturally have those fears, some stronger than others, some less so. 
Some would argue that we have an inborn fear of snakes, too, but I won't get into that one. And I have an explanation for it, by the way. <clears throat> Those are natural fears. Are they bad? Why, would, why should we be afraid of the dark? You, you can't judge anything in the dark. You don't know if there's a threat. You don't know if there's an obstacle. You don't know much of anything in the dark. Why, would be, why, why should we be afraid of falling? The, the, other, <laughs> the other night, my son and I were working on uh, one of my vehicles in his garage. And uh, I was backing up, old man that I am, and my heel stepped on the edge of his creeper. Those are not designed to be skateboards. <clears throat> and I tripped and I fell. Yeah. You know, yeah. fell flat on my back. I didn't break the creeper, did I? Oh, good, good. I didn't ask that the other night. The other night I was going, oh, yeah. So that, I was not injured. <clears throat> When I'm on my bicycle, I don't like to fall. It's happened a couple of times. Actually, it's been embarrassing because the times I've fallen in recent years has been I, I, I ride with clipless pedals where my shoe has a cleat that clicks into the pedal. And I've, I've come up to a, to a stop suddenly, and I have one foot that works better than the other. And for whatever reason, starting to fall to the left, and it's very hard for me to get my left foot out of the out of the clip um, uh, quickly. And it's got to be hilarious to see somebody my size, full stop, sitting at the stop sign going, <laughs> it's happened to me three times in my writing career. One time it was a very busy intersection and I just wanted to crawl in a manhole. <clears throat> the next time I ruined my best writing uh, tights and I was just really made me angry. <clears throat> the other time was inconsequential. Falling hurts. We can get injured, seriously injured. And as I get older, I'm told that it can get more serious than ever. So I'll keep trying to stay upright. Fear of loud noises. I've seen people who can maintain a superficial cool and not show that a loud noise behind them startled them. But I know better. Inside, their heart went, whoo-hoo. There's a lot of dangerous things that make loud noises. Things that we should fear. Say a roaring lion. I'd be worth fearing a roaring lion if I'm out, you know, out in the savanna of Africa. <clears throat> there are proper fears. There are things that should be fearful. I'm, I'm not afraid of a gun, unless it's pointing at me. <laughs> or it's in the hands of somebody who doesn't know what they're doing. I'm not afraid of a sharp blade, as long as I'm holding the handle and not the sharp blade. 
You see, fear has its place. God built that into us. It becomes a, a, a guardrail, a barrier to keep us from going where we shouldn't go. You know, the, the, the daredevil types, the, the, uh, the death-defying people, there's a reason they call that death-defying, by the way. They, they will go farther in risk than a sane person would. But the people, my friends who ride mountain bikes off-road think I'm insane because I ride on the road with Mississippi drivers. Well, it's true, and it's challenging. I have a friend who doesn't do it anymore because, because of a close call he had. <clears throat> and I've been hit by a car. It's no fun. But that was a long time ago, and I think I'm okay. <clears throat> so we understand the fear that has to do with recognizing real risk. And God, God made us shrink back from that, you know? Fear of, fear of being burned can keep your hands out of the fire. Our biggest problem comes when, when we don't recognize consequences and we dash forward without fear. Most of us have experienced that in one way or another. And then there are phobias. Anybody here who has absolutely nothing that, that their fear is, is... How can I say this? We call that irrational fear. Are you free? If you're free of, of any, any irrational fear... Okay, that's not too, not too many of us, you know. I wouldn't say that I would have nightmares when I see a crown, clown, but I think, I think they're creepy. So I would have to, you know, have a, a therapist evaluate me to see whether or not I have chlorophobia. Um, I'm not afraid of heights, but I noticed that when I was standing on the observation ledge overlooking the south rim of the Grand Canyon, this feeling inside of me kind of went... I had the same feeling uh, looking out of the glass at the top of... Uh, of uh, used to be Sears Tower. I don't know what they call it now. Big building. It is still the Sears Tower. Thank you. We got a Chicago in back there. Who knows? Didn't they change the name for a while? Or Sears doesn't own it anymore. Okay. All right. Well, still, it's way up there. I'm not afraid of heights. But under certain circumstances, I go, Ugh. What? Is that irrational? Uh, I suppose if it kept me from going. I, I visited the observation deck on Victoria's Peak overlooking downtown Hong Kong at night. And I have the most gorgeous photo of Hong Kong at night from, whew, I don't know, half a mile above at least. It's gorgeous. And I wanted to go, I wanted to go, and a, a friend was going to take me 
But the day I was there, he had an obligation that evening, and his wife said, I'll do it. And, and I thought, well, great, we'll go. And that starts off with a train ride where you're flat on your back. Because it's like, it's like those old mining trains that go jing, 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 up a steep, steep, steep incline. And then you get up to the top and you get out of, the, out of the train and you walk into this place where they want to sell you stuff and there's an escalator. Okay, it's an escalator. Everything's glass. So as you go up the escalator, you can see everything, definitely see how high you are. I can't remember if it was four or five tall escalators to the top of of the deck. And we stepped on the escalator and, and my, my friend said, can I hold your arm? I said, sure. She goes, I really don't like this part. <laughs> and the higher we, we went, at, at about halfway, it felt like I had a blood pressure cuff on. And about three-fourths of the way, I, my feeling in my fingers was disappearing, I think. And when I got to the top, she was okay when we got off the escalator. But, but I, I was filled with wonder that she loved me enough to go through that so that I could experience Victoria's Peak. <clears throat> She's severely acrophobic. She actually has a, like a menu of phobias, but I love her. So we have, we have things that we're afraid of that just just inordinate. They they're just don't, they're not realistic. <clears throat> and then there's another fear. And this is the oldest one of all. This is the one Adam expressed. God came for the evening stroll. Adam, where are you? And as we like to say around here, God doesn't ask questions for information. Adam, I see him peeking out from behind a bush. Oh, here I am. <laughs> says, what are you doing? Why are you hiding? He says, because I'm naked. Shame was born that day. That's really all shame is, is fear. Fear of being seen for what you are and what you've done. It's crippling. It's paralyzing. So my granddaughter asks me, what am I afraid of most? And I can think of some things that, that still trigger, you know, a fear of, fear of being found out is up there. Because the most honest, straightforward, open person you know isn't showing everything. We just don't. We hide behind reasons for that. Some of them are not bad reasons. You know, emotionally, like physically, we don't want everybody walking around naked. We just don't want that. 
for much the same reasons. <laughs> you know, watch yourself in the mirror. I know you do this. You look in the mirror, and whatever part of you you don't like, <clears throat> you check it out. Is this going to hide that? The eye, the makeup, the whatever you're doing. That's why we never know what we look like by the mirror. Because we, we paint a picture in our minds and that reflection in the mirror. If you've ever had a huge change in your life, like going from 40 to 67, I lost 100 pounds one time. You know, hard to believe, isn't it? I haven't gained it all back, if that gives you any comfort. That was 25 years ago. And I remember, this was before cell phones and constant photography. You didn't see photos of yourself very often, usually around the holidays or some special event, or maybe you just fell in love and somebody can't quit clicking their camera at you. Or they were, the, the photos were fewer and far, farther between. And I remember, I remember the first photo I saw after losing 100 pounds. My eyes just about popped out of my head. Wow, wow, wow. Because I, I could hardly recognize the guy in the picture. I'd lost 10 inches off my waist. Think about that. My face looked like that. You know, I, I mean, it's just like incredible. But the thing that really baffled me was how come I had to look at a photo to see this? Well, it's because cameras are more objective than your eyeballs in a mirror. And it just that really tells me how much we can fool ourselves. If I were going to write the epistles James today, I would write it a little different than he did, which is probably why God didn't leave me with that task. But when he wrote, a person who, who looks in the Word and doesn't do it is like a person who looks in the mirror and then forgets what he looks like. I would just say today that he looks like a selfie. Maybe not a selfie, because we do the same thing with a selfie. I have, I have nurses that work for me. And when I see their selfies on Facebook, it doesn't look like the same person. They got the makeup going on. They, got, they, they, they suck in their cheeks. I don't know what they do. But they look like they've had plastic surgery when they point their cameras at themselves. So I had to work on how to do that. I figured it out. I can, oh yeah, get the angle. If you go like, you know, if you go like this, you look thinner. If you, if you do a selfie up your nose, you look ridiculous. So if you do that, stop. Or at least don't publish it. Mm. Um. <laughs> I told my granddaughter, I said, I'm, I am closer to fearless than I've ever been in my life. Then I thought about it, and I, that wasn't, that's, that's honest, but it's not complete, because there are still some things that I fear. I, I have something to write down on here, and uh, I, I kicked that one around the elders meeting the other night. What are you most afraid of? 
incredibly similar responses from everybody. At different stages in our lives, but the responses were very similar, and it actually helped me focus in on, on what's topping my list. Here's the thing. Let's look at one more, one more passage of Scripture that, that highlights that paradox. It's in Acts. In chapter 9, the, the church has been through kind of its first fire. And, and uh, a lot of folks left Jerusalem because the Pharisees and Sadducees were getting pretty effective in harassing the church. And so it says, so the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace, being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, and it increased in numbers. You see the paradox? Fear of the Lord, the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. And that brought peace. Here's the thing about fear. Whatever you fear, you ascribe great power to. Therefore, the beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. For there is no power greater fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. A famous early American preacher changed that to in the hands of an angry God. Yeah, but that's not what the Bible says. <clears throat> what are you afraid of? Fear of anything other than God or true hazards that keep you from doing things like disobeying traffic rules can block you. I've worked for physicians much of my adult life, well over three decades. Usually some of the wealthiest people in our communities what do they got to be afraid of? <laughs> you know what I would say? As businessmen, physicians are among the most fear-driven business owners on the planet. They're always worrying about threats and failures. They, they make money that would be hard for you to imagine having. And they're always afraid they're going to lose it. I, I almost believe that the more you have, the greater your fear. Because it might go away. You ever watch a celebrity who's made 
tons of money and has the, the adoration of millions of people. As their career goes on, how they start doing desperate things to sort of recharge their careers, to find a new life, to find a new following, to find what do they need? You see, if your faith is in something that doesn't satisfy, then maybe you ought to be afraid of losing it. I've said before, and I've discovered that the poorest people I've ever dealt with and the richest people I've ever dealt with have the same desire. They all want exactly the same thing. That's a little bit more. You're probably suffering under that yourself. We're Christians, though. We might say, well, I don't need a little bit more, but sure be nice. Something that doesn't sound very covetous. Because we're good at getting that right angle in the mirror and looking as good as possible because we're afraid somebody might see us as we really are. Those kinds of fears, fear of things other than God, can stop you. It can stop you from being obedient. It can stop you from from listening to him, seeing what he wants you to do next. It can stop you from, from taking a, a risk, a risk to your comfort, a risk to your success, a risk to your reputation. What will people do if they know that I'm a Jesus freak? You know? <clears throat> and, then, and then that fear of being revealed makes it impossible for us to have the kind of relationship God wants. If you're afraid of being seen for who you are, you will never achieve intimacy with another human. Let that sink in, especially husbands and wives. If, if, you're, if you're afraid, it blocks honesty. It, it, it blocks truth. And John tells us that the Spirit is truth. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It, it's interrupting you in your progress, in your growth. And in all of that, fear blocks accountability. Because if I can't admit to you I need help with something and I'm going to be accountable to you, then it isn't going to happen. And accountability is crucial for growth, for healing of, of sin and temptation. What are you afraid of? <clears throat> fear, the word fear appears 390 times or something like that. 90 in the New Testament. It's actually, it's actually like 390 in the Old Testament, 90 in the New Testament. The, the two main words for fear. 
if you look it up in an English concordance, there's going to be a lower number because if they say be afraid instead of fear, it's going to not count on their word count. <clears throat> so it's a theme. It's natural. Human beings are the possibly the most helpless critters on the planet at birth. A baby left is a baby dying. That's not true with other species. Yeah, it can happen, but... And, and the time required? How long does it take a mama dog to raise those puppies so they can be on their own? How long does it take a mama human to raise those puppies till they can be on their own? Some of you are still wondering when that will be, I know. It's natural to be afraid. We're born into a, a hostile world. <clears throat> Basically, I'm saying this. Fear that comes from the shadows. is limiting and life-sapping. Fear that comes from the light will give you life. Fear that comes from the shadows is life-sapping. Fear that comes from the light is life-giving. Let me illustrate. When I was six or seven, we lived in a house that the master bedroom had been added on as an afterthought. And <clears throat> having two sisters, they got room big enough for two people. And being the only boy, I got the wide spot in the hall that attached to mom and dad's room in the back. The upside was that there was a nightlight there so mom and dad could go through my room when, after I was in bed and not trip over a toy truck or something. But in that wide spot in the hall, my mom had an ironing board. You know what my ironing board is, right? Anyway, she had an ironing board. She ironed every day. And there was a, there was a basket of clothes, usually under the pointy end, and the nightlight was under the ironing board, like came out right between the X's of the legs. There was a linen closet in there that didn't have a door on it, so my mom hung these flowered curtains on the linen closet. And those who know me may realize that I'm a very, very visual person, very creative and imaginative and visual. And I'd lay there in bed, and, and I would look over there towards the nightlight, because that's more pleasant usually than looking away from the light. And there in the folds of the clothes, and in the flowers, on the curtains, I could imagine 
the most horrific creatures that ever came from the worst movies of Hollywood. I could see in, this, in these leaves and flowers a, a face with angry eyes and sharp fangs. I could see it. And once you see it, you can't unsee it. And, and I would lie there, and then, and then if, if the piles of clothes in the basket contributed to that with some more creatures, I could work myself up to a near panic. Come on, I was only six, seven. And, and I would hang in there as long as I could. I'd pull the covers over my face, but then decided breathing is important. And eventually, I had to get the mom and dad. So I jumped out of bed and ran the first few steps because the monster under the bed just might reach out and grab my ankle. And most every night, I don't know how many times this happened, but it's, it, it's all rolled into just like one episode. I have a feeling it happened more than that. <clears throat> I would run into our living room, the old black and white TV over in the corner, They'd be watching Jack Parr, and, and I heard one chuckle. Somebody knows what that name means. Um, he was the Tonight Show before Johnny Carson. Um, my mom would be sitting on, on the couch. My dad would be sitting on the floor, leaning against the front of the couch by her. She'd have her hand on him. And, I, and so I came out of my room. And I'd slow down for the doorway, and I'd look around at them, and I'd start walking very quietly in their direction. And eventually, I'm visible, right? My dad would look at me. And give me a subtle knowing smile, and he'd raise his arm up like this. Never yelled at me to go back to bed. Never berated me for my silly fears. He just let me come sit down next to him. Put his arm around me, and I'd lay my head against his chest. I can still smell his cologne. I could still, still feel the rumble of his deep voice in his chest. I don't even remember going back to bed, but eventually I did. The fear in the shadows, which was all in my head, it's debilitating. When I rounded the corner and looked at my dad, there was always that fear. He was a tough guy. The fear in the light reminded me who he is. And he showed it to me when he raised his arm. 
Whatever you fear most, you, you ascribe great power to it. I am closer to being fearless than I've ever been. But it comes from it comes from a place of light. It comes from a place of, of knowledge. It comes from the source of that knowledge. And that is the fear of God, knowing who He is. And that's how I find that I'm in the fear of God and the encouragement of the Holy Spirit at the same time. And that's where I find peace. And that's where everything I've ever been afraid of, day by day, loses its grip on me. I can't give you steps. I'm sorry. Except the steps of each one being closer to Jesus. There's a, a popular topic in behavioral health today. And, that, and it's, it's described by a word. The word is mindfulness. Have you read about mindfulness? Have you been encouraged to be mindful? Have you been told that this is a, this is a very important answer to your comfort and your peace? Mindfulness is the, it's, it, it's a word somebody had to come up with, but it, it means paying attention in the moment. And it, it's, it cuts across philosophies, teachings, and religions. It, it's strong in the Eastern religions with meditation and, and that sort of stuff. And you see, being mindful, being mindful means paying attention to what your body is doing, what your mind is doing, what your spirit is doing. And for Christians, we, gotta, we have an advantage, being mindful, paying attention to what the spirit is telling you. If, if you're tuned in to what's going on inside of you, you'll start to recognize the patterns of your responses to different stimuli. You will reveal the things that you're afraid of. You will reveal the things that draw you. You will reveal the things that, that repel you. And it will reveal the people around you. Because being mindful means I pay attention to you too. It's about opening your eyes. God's given us everything we need. He's given us everything we need. And that's in, in Him. We have to be careful with those songs that say, you're all I need. He's all I need. On a priority basis, absolutely true. But we have needs. Because we're humans, we're in flesh, we're in a hostile world. We're dealing with an enemy who whispers the, the lies of hell in our ears every moment of the day. And it takes great effort to, 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 to stop hearing that. That's another great thing with being mindful, spiritually mindful. 
It, it, it allows you to discern who that voice is. I've seen, I've seen immature Christians who mistake the voices of the world and the voices of hell, and they think God told them something. The devastating results. He wants to be with you. He gave his son so that would be possible. He gives you time on this planet to grow ever closer to him. Do you fear death? I fear the author of life. Do you fear abandonment? I fear the faithful one. Do you fear the dark? I fear the light, the one who called light into existence. Do you fear rejection? I fear the Lord of acceptance. The woman caught in adultery was laying in the dust at Jesus' feet. We know that story well. And they want Jesus to condemn her. And instead he kneels down and he, he doodles in the dirt. And I don't know how many pages have been written on what did Jesus write. I don't know. I think he was just doodling. But Here's the part I like. The Lord of the heavens got his hands dirty. <laughs> you think you're too dirty to come to him? <laughs> That's how he created you, out of the dust of the ground. He wants you. And in coming to him, the death of fear the inappropriate is on its way and you can become fearless of the things in this world of the enemy that dogs us of your failings of your fear of rejection fear of disappointing others a fear of feeling inadequate for what God has put in front of you I don't need this fear. I'll leave it at the cross. He died my death. Jesus said, don't fear those who, whose authority ends when they kill you. Fear the one who holds eternal life in his hands. Thank you guys for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to subscribe to us on Spotify or iTunes. If you would like to learn more about New Horizons Christian Fellowship, and if you enjoyed the music, then please visit the links in the description to learn more. Thank you for listening. And remember, the service begins now.